Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Thanks for joining us today on the journey. Well, this month, the month of December, we are doing something kind of special for our Friday podcast. We're doing what we call the Life of Jesus in Songs. And what we're doing is we're picking out hymns and talking a little bit about the hymn that goes through different aspects of Jesus' life. And then at the end of the podcast, we actually play a congregational singing of that hymn. And so last week, as we kind of kicked this off, we talked about the birth of Jesus and we played the hymn, Hark the, Herald, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Today, we're going to talk about the life of Jesus. And the hymn we've chosen is the song, We Saw Thee Not. And again, at the end of this broadcast, we're going to play that as a congregational singing. I encourage you to sing along with that. It's a great old hymn, and it's a hymn that has lots of layers of great information for us. And so, Jason, let's let's begin by talking about the song itself. Yeah, so it is fascinating when you dig a little into the personalities behind these hymns. Uh, the, the lyrics were written by a, a young woman named Anne Richter. Anne was the daughter of a preacher in Yorkshire, England, uh, born in the uh, uh, late 1700s. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, as as uh, as tragic as it is, uh, passed away at the age of 23 years old. But you think about uh, the way that these lyrics have impacted people for generations now. Of course, she's in Europe. Um, we don't know as much about her, perhaps, as about the man over here much closer to home who ended up writing the music that we continue to sing even today. His name is Knowles Shaw. He's a Indiana preacher. He's connected to the Restoration Movement and very, very influential. He was born in 1834, which really was 11 years after Anne had died, and he died tragically in 1878 in a train wreck. Knowles Shaw was, was known as the singing evangelist, and uh, stories are told that in the middle of a sermon, he would just stop and break into a song. And You should uh, try that sometime. Um, we will never do this. <laughs> <laughs> we will never do this. But he is reported to have baptized over 11,000 people, Amazing. which is just, uh, just unbelievable in our times today. And he was on a train in Dallas heading to another place in Texas to preach, and the train jumped the tracks, went down an embankment, and no soul died. His body was brought back to Indiana, and he was buried in Rush County, where he spent most of his life. But he he gave us a lot of hymns. Uh, Bringing in the sheaves is another one of his uh, hymns that he gave us. But this song is very important because it really takes us to a place where we are today about our faith in Jesus. Yeah, we, um, Lord willing, this next Friday, a week from today, we'll focus in on a different hymn that 
really captures the essence of Jesus's death. And so we're not going to talk our way through all four verses. Of course, as you mentioned, Roger, we'll play all four verses, a congregational recording of singing We Saw the Nod at the end of this episode. But for our purposes today, let me just read verse one. What a a powerful affirmation that comes from the hymn or from the hand of, of this young lady, Anne Richter. We saw thee not when thou didst come to this poor world of sin and death, nor yet beheld thy cottage home in that despised Nazareth. But we believe thy footsteps trod its streets and plains, thou son of God. But we believe thy footsteps trod its streets and plains, thou son of God. How amazing that somebody could write those words 200 years ago. And here we are talking about them, continued to be inspired by them even today. And and what the song brings out uh, is this contrast. We saw thee not, but we believe. And and immediately I think of that passage in John chapter 20, right after Jesus appears to Thomas, the doubting Thomas, and he tells Thomas to touch his side and, and to see him. And then Jesus says, because you've seen me, you have believed Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. That's really kind of the background of this song. I have not seen Jesus. I have not seen Jesus walk on water. I did not taste the food that Jesus multiplied, but we believe. And so what what comes out of this is our faith rests upon the Bible. That's how we see Jesus. If it was not for the Bible, we would not know Jesus. And for a vast multitude of people today, they would just love to see, I will believe if Jesus showed himself back up here. If I, if I could see Jesus today heal somebody, I would believe. But as the song says, and as the passage says, that doesn't happen. Jesus is not going to be here Yet, how can we believe? Yeah, I have uh, been spending a lot of time with the Apostle Peter here in recent weeks, and it is very reminiscent of how he began his first letter, right? First Peter chapter 1. We had an entire sermon recently that just walked through that, and, and I've shared in a variety of ways. I love how Peter writes as an eyewitness, but does not talk down to us as if, well, he is somehow elevated and we are waiting down below. He experienced things we could never possibly imagine. Therefore, somehow he is some sort of a super saint. No, over and over again, in a variety of ways, he says things like, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's what we are professing through the help of this hymn even today. You know, I have never, nor nor has any living being today, met Michelangelo. Now, I'm not talking about the Ninja Turtle. I'm, talk, <laughs> I'm talking about the artist, the sculptor. Now, I've been to places, I've been to museums where we've seen the handiwork of Michelangelo. I've seen paintings he's painted. I've, I've seen sculptures that he's made. Never met the man himself. 
How do I know he ever existed? Well, there, there is evidence of his work. And that's similar to, and, and, but on a grander scale, what we find in our Bibles. No, I've never seen Jesus personally, but all around me are the evidence of his being here. All around us is the testimony, the handiwork that he has done. Apostle Paul would say in the book of Ephesians in chapter 3 that by revelation there is made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Paul said, I, I received it by inspiration and wrote it. When you read what I wrote, you know. And so that's, that's the foundation of our faith. That's how we know these things. No, we did not see Jesus walk down those dusty trails, but we believe, and that's based upon the evidence of scriptures, the, the, the uh, eyewitnesses who have written these things, and the testimony and the truthfulness of God's word. Yeah, and I, I think this hymn maybe helps us uh, understand and be unashamed of the fact that there are a lot of things when it comes to these locations and the very specific different areas of these locations, we don't have to know exactly where. We don't have to know exactly what cup or what happened to the wood of the cross or have the burial cloth of Jesus in order to believe, right? This hymn in, in the second line of verse one says, we, we didn't behold thy cottage home in that despised Nazareth. Uh, Roger, you and I both have been privileged to be able to walk through modern Nazareth today. And, and that's an amazing experience. I'm not downplaying that in any way, shape or form, but someone doesn't have to make up pilgrimage to Nazareth in order to believe. Um, walking around the city, we don't have to know exactly where Jesus's house was as he was growing up. We don't have to have one of his old carpenter tools or have a, a, a piece of fabric that he wore in order to believe. We, we live in a world that is in many ways, uh, captivated by, by the idea of relics. And it sure does seem significant to me that God didn't give us a, an address in Bethlehem or the specific date of Jesus's birth. That's nowhere recorded for us in scripture. Uh, we don't have GPS coordinates of where various miracles were performed. But to your point, by taking us back, for instance, to John chapter 20, we don't have to have those things in order to believe anyone at any time in any part of the earth can believe because of what we have written in the scriptures. So if someone was to say, if we could actually find Noah's Ark, and I've, I've seen a lot of shows where people are climbing up that mountain trying to find her, <laughs> digging in that eyes. If we could find the actual Noah's Ark, that would prove the Bible. How would you respond to that? No, I, I mean... <laughs> As I think about the people who were there as eyewitnesses of some of these incredible miracles and they refused to believe, 
Uh, that is the sort of thing that exasperates Jesus. It exasperated him when he had performed miracle after miracle as a sign of who he really was. And there were people who still tried to trap in, in his words, still maintained hardness of heart. I don't think in any way, shape, or form we will ever find something that forces people to believe who don't want to believe. This is always left in the realm of personal choice, and it comes down to, okay, what do I really want? There were people who saw the miracles, but they didn't want to believe in Jesus, Therefore, they didn't, and they reaped the consequences of that rebellion. There, there were people who had made an absolute wreck of their lives, but when they saw the evidence, when they heard the message, they turned because their heart was much more like that receptive soil, right? Much more than signs today or or incredible relics or an, uh, an amazing archaeological discovery, it really comes down to the state of my individual heart. You know, I, I was in the old church building one time a long, long time ago, and I was looking at some relics, and there was a piece of straw from the manger. <laughs> well, supposedly. It, it, here in America, it's like, yeah, yeah. really? Really? Okay. <laughs> Now, and, and a lot of people will think the Bible is still on the scales of could be or not could be, hasn't been proven or could be proven. And if we could only find something substantial that, that would tip the scales, it would prove it. The, we need to understand the Bible's already been proven. It has been proven. It's been proven by God. It's been proven by those who gave their lives in teaching it. It's been proven by all the evidences, the fulfillment of prophecy, the unity of the message. Over and over, there's so much evidence for the Word of God that it could not be by, by anyone else. And when people, especially college professors today, who love to, to flaunt their ignorance by saying that the Bible it was just a composite of a bunch of myths and stories through the generations, and some men put it together and wrote a book like this, why isn't there any other book equal to this? No other book equals the Bible. No other book do people stay up late at night to read before they go to sleep. No other book do people get up early in the morning to read. No other book is read as much at funerals or at weddings. What is it about this book that makes it so unique? It has been proven, proven over and over and over again that this is the Word of God. So we don't have to have Jesus doing a miracle before my eyes for me to believe. I believe the words of God, and that's enough. That's the point Jesus is making. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet they have believed. As we talked about on Sunday, as we revisited on Wednesday, men were carried along by the Holy Spirit, and what we have is not of human interpretation. This is not the product of the will of man. These are the very words of God. Roger, as I think about this hymn, uh, you know, there, there are, uh, as you think about growing up in contexts of, of the local church, uh, there are, are hymns that just stand out to you as, well, I, 
I have been hearing this sung all of my life. There, there's no doubt in, in my mind, you remember hearing this sung in central Indiana as you were growing up. I can remember hearing this sung in Nashville, Tennessee as I was growing up. And it just makes me so appreciative, first of all, about the 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 spiritual heritage, the power of even uh, this coming Sunday, if a song leader selects, we saw thee not, but you have a five-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 15-year-old who hears a couple hundred adults singing with all of their hearts, but we believe over and over again, but we believe these sorts of songs are special, not just because of, you know, the the story behind them, the, the personalities, the people who wrote the lyrics and the people who wrote the music, but in many ways, they are, are living and powerful within the life of local churches, even for the development of the next generation. They, they, they may not know, you know, all of the ins and outs of the story of Jesus. They may still be learning where the books of the Bible are, but they are being taught as you, as we all in assemblies of the Lord all over the world, confidently sing songs like we believe and what's interesting about that is this song really works both directions i mean what we're talking about we have not seen jesus but we believe but if we go forward we've not seen heaven yeah but we believe we've blasted men into space and they didn't see heaven how do we know there's a heaven because of the scriptures We've not seen forgiveness. You can't see sins just leaving your body, leaving your heart. But we believe that we're forgiven. How? Because of the faith in Jesus Christ. And so this song is not just about Jesus. It's about us. It's about tomorrow. It's about heaven. It's about our walk with God. And so powerful, powerful words. Super hymn. I mean, this is this is one of those that I can sing without even looking at the words. We've yeah. sang it so many times. It just brings up fond memories of different places I've been, different people leading this song. But every time, it's just a, a great reminder that why I do what I do is by faith. Faith is what impresses God over and over. Hang with us. We'll play you a recording of it in just a moment. Remember, next Friday, we will dig into another hymn specifically about the Lord's death. But Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. We hope this little journey has helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel. Always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.